Hello and welcome everyone to um, our episode of Safeguarding Voice. Um, my name is Heather McDade. I am a safeguarding consultant here with Education Child Protection and I'm joined by my colleague uh, Katrina Curtis who is also a safeguarding consultant here at Education Child Protection. We're going to spend um, the next little bit of our time talking about whistleblowing. This has really been prompted from its inclusion in Keeping Children Safe in Education 2021 and the exploration and an addition around that low-level concerns. Um, so that's what we're here to talk about. Um, Katrina, thoughts and feelings on this? Yeah, so I think we're going to take a real focus as part of this podcast regarding those allegations and concerns for paid members of staff, mm -hmm. contractors, volunteers, um, there's been a real emphasis on contractors, actually, mm. as part of one of the updates in keeping children safe in education. Um, and the reason we're taking this focus and interest is because, obviously, what we do in terms of work, um, but because of the major addition to keeping children safe in education surrounding this interest. And this has come as a result of quite a high prof prolific um, child abuse case involving mm. a teacher which came to light involving a large number of victims across um, England. And as a result of the review, um, the Department for Education said that they would revise keeping children safe mm -hmm. in education, um, subsequently looking at the modus operandi of sex offenders. Yeah. Um, so identifying actually how a perpetrator would seek to groom mm. a vulnerable person. And subsequently, that addition appeared in the um, identification of low-level concerns. Mm. Okay, so being able to understand what that looks like. Yeah. It's, it's quite an uncomfortable topic, isn't it, really? Yeah. I think when we talk about whistleblowing, I think for me, I do have a natural uncomfortableness because essentially it's, it's our colleagues, sometimes our friends, it'll be people who we work with. And I think that, I think a lot of us, and I use us, including myself, would think it would never happen. Mm. This definitely won't happen here. This is not something I have to worry about. I know yeah. I have to read it. I know it's important. We recognise that we don't want children to be abused by people in a position of trust. But I think the link between not wanting it to happen and, in fact, doing the steps that need to be taken can be, can be quite uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important that we actually do address the topic of low-level concerns today because because of it being uncomfortable yeah. and because of this fear of actually everybody thinks, well, if I say something, I might lose that person their job, that person yeah. might lose their job as a result. Um, and that can be a lack of awareness through the steps mm -hmm. that have to be taken um, surrounding those allegations made against staff. But I think the importance of this is around our professional curiosity yeah. and the reason why we do the jobs we do ultimately to be able to safeguard those yeah. that are most vulnerable. And quite often we sometimes take accountability for people that we work with mm. on the basis that they are in a position of trust um, and therefore we like to think that they wouldn't cause harm yeah. to a vulnerable person. It's that that like to think, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Years ago, and it must have been at least 10 years ago, um, I was on a DSL level training. And I had, it was, a, it was a member of a police force, actually, who was our trainer. They'd retired. And um, they came into the building and said, right, really quickly, uh, where do I get petrol after the training? And we were very diligent, right? We were wanting to impress this nice trainer. And we said, oh, well, you go to the petrol station. And we gave them the directions. And then the next question um, they asked was really shocking. And I was very new into my career. 
And uh, they went, right, um, I'd like to abuse children. Where will I go? And we were all like, what are they talking? It was like really shocking. And they pushed and they said, well, no, seriously, where will I go? If my intention is to seek out Mm -hmm. and abuse children, where am I going to go? And we all kind of had this really uncomfortableness where we looked around and you'd probably go to a, a school or a football club or you might go to the brownies or the cadets. You'd go to where children are. And he went, and that's your point. He said, not everybody who works with children has the full intention mm. as you maybe think you have. He said, of all of us in the room, there is 100% certainty I have that only one of us has never abused a child. And he mm. goes, that's me. Yeah. And I think that's the important bit, isn't it? It's that we're not asking you to be suspicious of everyone, not mm. going on to be Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. But we are saying, actually, if you're pushing things aside, if you're seeing things and you're going, oh, I'm sure it's not what I think it is, or you're making those assumptions, that's that's really, is that what we're thinking about when we talk about low-level concerns? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that resonates definitely. I think it will resonate for you in terms mm. of, probably one of the opening statements we make in training mm-hmm. you know I always say in training I like to think my family never have never would same goes for my colleagues but as you know we always say I don't know what goes on in their heads hearts or fantasies yeah I wouldn't want to know let's put it that no. way but ultimately that that's true uh, for what we're talking about today um, and it is about that vigilance and to be able to identify, but also to understand what we mean by a low-level concern. Yes, because that's a quite a broad term, isn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've, I've lots of low-level concerns about lots of things, but we're talking specifically around behaviour. Yeah. We're going to talk around, and it, are we going to talk a little bit about grooming or kind of what we might be noticing in that process? Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be quite good to talk about what we mean by low level concern Mm. and then of course to maybe discuss some high profile cases that we're aware of um, and some of the behaviours that have been played out there to really identify what that grooming process looks like Um, because I know that we've had some discussions in terms of what we do in work. Yeah Um, absolutely well okay let's let's start let's start with that what is a low level concern could you help define that for us? Yeah so when we think about low level concern it doesn't mean it's insignificant Um, And that's really important that Mm. we mention that. Um, But it is behaviour towards a child that might not necessarily meet a threshold of harm. Um, Okay, so a threshold of harm. Is that when we're talking about speaking to the LADO? Yes. So the local authorities designated officer. What would some of those thresholds be? Um, So I think think there's probably about seven, if I remember correctly. Um, I think the first one is the obvious one. They've behaved in a way that has harmed a child or they may have harmed a child. Um, the second one is is what is the committed offence, isn't it? Yeah, it could be they've possibly committed a criminal offence against um, or related to a child. Um, and then the third would be behaved towards a child or children in a way that indicates that they pose a risk of harm to yeah. a child. And then obviously we have the fourth. Yeah, which is uh, when we're thinking about behaved or may have behaved in a way that indicates they're just not suitable to work with children. So you can see actually... There are there. So I know that we think a lot about the relationships that might be inappropriate between a child and a staff member. Uh, we think about any sort of possession of images of a grooming nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually also think, um, particularly when we're speaking to a lado, if we know one of our staff members, uh, volunteers or contractors, own child is on a child protection plan so that's section 47 it's very worthwhile checking in with the ladder about it so that's when we talk about the threshold but there's loads of stuff that happens under the threshold yeah right so talk to us about that 
So basically a low level concern is any concern and it doesn't matter how small. Um, so it's a sense of unease you may have, this, this nagging doubt um, based on this adult who's working with the child. Um, something doesn't feel right. And what I always say is surrounding that, that gut feeling of it doesn't feel mm. right, the answer is it probably isn't. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes we have no hard and fast evidence, but you just simply have to go with your gut. And that nagging doubt is enough for you to be able to speak to somebody. And what we're talking about is these behaviours that may be inappropriate, okay? So it may be um, a member of staff being overly friendly with child. Mm. It could be having favourites. Mm. It could also be taking photographs of children on a mobile phone. On their own mobile on phone. On their own mobile yeah. phone. Not, not necessarily sexual in nature, yeah. because we're talking about a low-level concern. It could be simply engaging with a child on a one-to-one -one basis um, in a secluded area behind a closed door. And we've got concerns surrounding that because, of course, it doesn't coincide with our practice in Good terms practice. of our, yeah. our, our, our procedures and our policies. Or it could be inappropriate, sexualized, intimidated or offensive language. But we are sort of moving towards the higher level concern, that threshold yeah. in terms of a higher level concern. Um, let's maybe have a look at a few cases actually to help illustrate that because I think for me and this is just me personally sometimes when I read guidances I can find it like oh yeah they're bullet points but actually when I put it into a context I think it makes a little a little bit more sense for me um, I think the one that I personally would like to start with is Vanessa George mm -hmm. um, so uh, for those of you listening who don't know about Vanessa George um, she was a she is a, a female she worked in a nursery um, and she was convicted um, just before her 40th birthday. She was 39 and was sentenced uh, back in 2009. So this is a case from a while ago. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think all of this is feeding into why we have to really change some of our culture. Yeah. Essentially, um, what Mrs. George did or Ms. George did was that she took indecent images um, and sexually abused children at the nursery where she worked and shared them um, with a, a, a man who she had met on the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, that man's name was Colin Blanchard. Um, and essentially, they actually never met until their trial. So they never met face to face. Um, so with that, what, what let's talk about some of those low-level concerns. Um, one of those low-level concerns was really simple staff um, had a few issues. They, they felt that she changed. They felt that they were showing sexualized pictures of adults uh, to other staff members. And they kind of didn't know what to do with that. They were like, mm. this, I feel uncomfortable. This isn't professional. They were, Miss George would use kind of crude language, rude language. Um, and and kind of, they just felt, oh, I don't know what to, to do with that. Yeah. In this situation, what should they have done with that? And I think the problem with this particular example is yeah. the fact that there's no direct impact to the children that they're working with. Yeah. So Vanessa isn't actually targeting a child at this point. This particular behaviour is around her behaviour in the workplace. Mm. Um, so the fact that she's quite loud, crude, um, and is showing sexualised pictures of adults to her co-workers. And that in itself is very uncomfortable, but because yeah. it doesn't fit with um, mm -hmm. the standard training which most organisations have received to do with whistleblowing or to do with child protection and safeguarding, mm -hmm. um, they didn't feel informed or, or aware to be able to raise those concerns. But also really importantly with this particular organisation, they didn't have the policies and procedures in place. 
Um, there was a really interesting one here about that it was inappropriate nappy changing, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. So the inappropriate nappy changing, um, anyone who works in an early years environment or indeed where you are involved in the intimate care of children, there's a process in place. Like there's very mm -hmm. clear guidelines of what you do, where you do it. And actually, um, Vanessa George just kind of circumnavigated, mm -hmm. said, well, actually, this is the way that we normally do it. And what we will be, what I'll be doing now is I'll be going to a other room with a locked door, essentially. And that was where the abuse was, was taking place and being filmed. But again, no one felt that that was what was happening. It was, mm. oh, my back's sore, so I don't want to leave. Yeah. It's easier. And I think it's really worthwhile mentioning at this point that Vanessa was um, a manager in the organisation. Mm. So she was higher up in terms of her role. So actually those beneath her um, mm. didn't feel in a position to question her authority. Um, Do you know what's actually really interesting, Katrina, is that she wasn't a manager. Was she not? No, oh, okay. what she did was she presented that fact. She was a senior member of staff oh, okay. and that's how she utilised that. She had that idea that she was senior, um, that she was older, she had quite a, a long sense of service there, so she'd been there a while. So it was the illusion of a position of authority and had a very close relationship with the manager, which made people feel like they couldn't. Yeah. Which is interesting, isn't it? And that's a th thank you yeah. for pointing that out, actually, because, yeah, so that's, uh, that relationship in itself would have been quite challenging and difficult mm. for staff to raise. If you had that relationship, of course, with the senior manager, yeah. therefore raising those concerns um, would have been a barrier in themselves. But yeah. also, I think what we say with staff is it's about um, knowing what to say, when to say it, but also when to stop those yeah. professional behaviours and boundaries. It might not be behaviour that directly impacts a child, but it's that professional professionalism in yeah. terms of the workplace. And and ultimately, the reason why she um, took those children into the safer toilets to be able to change them was to fulfil Colin Blanchard's fantasies yeah. for her to be able to abuse. And, uh, and people didn't challenge that behaviour. Yeah. Um, but I would like to think, you know, time since then as a result yeah. of these types of cases we spend a lot of time especially in what we do mm. raising awareness surrounding these low-level concerns yeah. these nagging doubts this professionalism and that's the point is that when you think about the culture of management if you are going to your senior leadership team your senior management team um, they should be taking these really really seriously um, and I think actually uh, this is quite an interesting one to talk about, um, Jonathan Thomas Glover. Now, this is actually more recent. Um, Jonathan was convicted in 2016 and is known to have abused secondary uh, school age or secondary age boys over a period of 16 years. He was known to take um, covert indecent photographs and videos of them, uh, of both male and female pupils. Um, and concerns about... Uh, Thomas Glover's behaviour were raised from 1999 onwards. Um, so ultimately he was convicted. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what colleagues noticed. So let's talk about the first one. Colleagues noticed blurred boundaries between Mr. Thompson Glover and the pupils. When we talk about blurred boundaries, um, we talked about the fact that actually non-teaching staff defined it. And you can see how vague sometimes this can be. They said that their behaviour was different from other staff. It was just different. They noticed something different. It didn't, and exactly what you said, it didn't feel mm. right. So I think that can be a really interesting point. Um, one of the things that it says, um, you know, that we talk about this case is 
complaints were diluted. They were lost or disbelieved when they went up the management change mm. chain. The idea that it couldn't happen, it it, it wouldn't happen, um, which can feel quite can feel quite a tough thing to consider, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think also in this particular case, um, he was a former pupil of the right. school. So those uh, relationships, I think, definitely had an impact. Remember what we said, we like to think those that we've worked with or yep. we know personally wouldn't abuse. Mm. Um, but ultimately, we need to take the stance. It could happen here. Yeah. Um, and those blurred boundaries. Sometimes we see this, especially with new teaching staff. Um when they're trying to find their feet, form relationships, maybe haven't been in that position of trust before, whereby they're trying to be the friendly adults. Yes. And and that behaviour in itself, we might see quite a lot in new teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of forming those relationships, trying to find their yeah. um, th- their position, I suppose. Yeah, the, the kind of, I'm cool, I'm, I'm one of us. Yeah. And, and I definitely understand wanting to have a sense of likability. We talk about how likability mm-hmm. is really important in, in any profession working with young people. But absolutely, that, that line should be drawn, yeah. created. It should be curated by the professional. It's not that young yeah. person's job to know the line. It is always that professional uh, person. So I think that's important. I think one of the other really important things in this particular case is an education psychologist was concerned about the fact Mm. that he had favourites. So this psychologist had actually said that he fitted a profile of an an abuser. Mm. There were definitely signs of grooming. Um, And this relates back to the update that we've seen in Keeping Children Safe in Education. Fantastic. You know, being able to identify those grooming behaviours in terms of those professionals who may take advantage of um, those vulnerable persons that they work with being... Because they know that they're vulnerable. Yeah. They'll have that additional information. They'll be in the need to know position. They'll yeah. have the creation of that relationship. And again, it's about holding ourselves to account. You know, yeah. myself and yourself have both worked with young people for a long time. Our behaviour should be held accountable. We should be held accountable to that behaviour, as should everybody else. It's a very, very high standard. But, I mean, rightly so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think there was just an organisational culture of um, informally socialising, pranks, so it wasn't just the behaviour of Mr. Thompson that should be the focus here. It should yeah. also be the behaviours of, of the wider workforce as well mm. um, as to why it wasn't identified um, to be able to provide that early intervention, which we always talk about is key. Yeah. Um, but really, it, his grooming behaviours were evident and should have been addressed um, at an earlier point, um, which is why we, we're talking about it now, which is why we have it in terms of this addition to keeping children safe in education, yeah. especially around those low-level concerns. But I think what we should probably do now is think mm. about, actually, how do we move forward with this? What mm. should we do, be doing as an organisation um, in response to these allegations? I think the first one is we we have to have, like, professional curiosity right I think and and I think really we have to make sure that there is total clarity around what is and isn't appropriate behavior for somebody in a position of trust paid voluntary junior member of staff senior member of staff um and that actually we have staff teams and we have a culture in our kind of staff community that is able to distinguish what appropriate behavior is and isn't what is concerning what is problematic and really make sure that we're empowering staff to say, mm. look, if you see something that feels not right, if you feel something that doesn't doesn't kind of sit OK with you, raise that 
raise that as a low level concern mm. and your senior leadership, senior management team will be in a position to potentially have an intervention, get in support. As you very rightly said, that could be a new teacher trying to find their feet and they need to be pulled straight back and gone, nope, <laughs> that's not where that's not where it is. It doesn't mean that someone's going to be fired. It doesn't mean that someone's going to yeah. lose their job. What it means is that it's those steps that we take, as what we say in safeguarding, yeah. the steps that we take to protect children from harm. Yeah. Um, I think it's important, really, uh, that any sort of unprofessional behaviour is addressed early. Yeah. Right. You want to get in pre-problem. Right. If you see something say something and I know that sounds like a bit of a cliche mm. but that is is really important and I think also don't wait and and if, yes. if if a colleague if you and a colleague have seen the same thing don't assume that they're the ones that are going to report it yeah you know take the steps yourself to report that information um that we should be really clear on that and 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 be assured that what you are sharing is your concerns your um the manager, the head mm. teacher, the CEO, the principal, whoever obviously uh, is the head mm. of the organisation, will inquire, look into that, yeah. will potentially investigate, will liaise with the uh, local authority designated officer. Um, and uh, that's a process that we have to go through. Mm. Um, but of course, if we feel that we can't approach those people in our organisation, there is absolutely option. yes. We need to be able to know the escalation, right? So sometimes there are there are weaknesses in a safeguarding system. There there may be you've seen here in some of those cases there was weaknesses at that management level, right? Mm, yeah. um, so you can uh, respond by using the NSPCC whistleblowing advice line. Um, so if you feel unable to follow your own whistleblowing procedure, you feel unsure. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I'm underreacting call the NSPCC whistleblowing advice line um, because you will speak to somebody who can help and support. Um, Katrina, I can't believe we're at the end of our time already. So I think really what I think what we've spoken about in kind of to try and conclude and do, do interrupt me if I've not concluded right, is that we just want to make sure that people know that to have that professional security, that's part of your safeguarding duty. Yeah. Um, we want to make sure that we know how to report. So if you're sitting here listening going, do you know, if there was a concern, I actually don't know where to go, find out. And if there was a concern about that person, so I might say to you, if you're a teacher, go, you go to your head teacher. And if you say, well, what happens if it's about the head teacher? You should know where to go. In that instance, it is going to be your chair of um, your governors. But Mm. at the same time, make sure you challenge yourself and, and really create that culture of vigilance. Yeah, absolutely, most definitely. Um, familiarise yourself with your policies and procedures as part of your organisation. If you don't know, ask. There's no such thing as a silly question when it comes to safeguarding. Um, So make sure you are informed because ultimately you have that duty of care. Yes, you do. Um, Fantastic. Thank you so much, Katrina. Um, Thank you everyone for listening. Um, I think this is a really important topic and definitely worthwhile checking out lots of different um, uh, organisations. You can read some of those serious case reviews that we've spoken about. Um, But as always, we'd like to just wish you the very best of luck in safeguarding moving forward. Bye-bye from me. Bye-bye from me. Thank you.